All right, welcome back to the Define Reality Podcast. This is episode 17. Here with the co-host, Joe Hanel. Um, obviously, we've had a little bit of time off here. Um, probably been pretty appropriate just based on everything that's kind of going on in the world right now. Obviously, we were part of COVID before we started the podcast. And then obviously, the social unrest that has kind of led about from George Floyd's obvious wrongful death and the whole Black Lives Matter movement. How are you doing? You're from Minneapolis. You're obviously kind of on the, the front lines of this a little bit, seeing everything every day in real time. How's everything going out there? And how are you? Let's kind of catch up on that. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, all things considered, I'm doing a lot better than a lot of people out there. This all happened like two miles away from my house, which is crazy. I was, uh, I was out in Wisconsin when it happened. And as I was driving back um, on Memorial weekend, there's, you know, buildings in my neighborhood boarded up, which is crazy, really crazy to see. But it's good to see people out there. People are still out there in Minnesota. They don't really talk about it anymore um, just because the news cycle moves so fast. But people in Minneapolis and St. Paul are still out there every night. Um, and it's, it's more of the peaceful protesting now. The rioting is over, which is good. But a lot of people out there are still kind of fighting for it, which is good to see. This, this seems a little bit different to me that I think there's going to be some lasting change. And I think a lot of people agree with that. Uh, a lot of times stuff like this, it, it just kind of fades as the news cycle moves. Like I said, I think the biggest thing we've had in the last few years was the Ferguson, Missouri stuff. And that was a huge deal. And then unfortunately it kind of withered away, but I think this is different. I think it's going to last, which is much needed in our country. Yeah. It's been a very interesting, obviously time here in Chicago, just because there's been so many, and I would honestly call a majority of them peaceful protests. Obviously then they do turn kind of into riots, I guess, later on at night, or they did early on. But since then, everyone's really been peacefully protesting. They've been at the police station down the street from my house. It's just one of those weird dynamics where I've, I, I just don't know where it ever ends. Obviously, we all want it to end, I think, in the same place, and that's everyone getting along. But coming from the element of college basketball and being a former coach and just over the last couple of weeks, just talking to a lot of my good friends, and obviously in college basketball, it's primarily an African-American dominated business mm -hmm. that, you know, who you're coaching and who's coaching especially as assistants. And you can just hear this hurt in a lot of people's voices. And it's something that, again, being around the game for as long as I was, something that you kind of saw all the time, like you saw, I don't want to say racial injustice or like, you know, obviously police brutality, but you definitely saw this segregation and how, you know, African-Americans are definitely treated different on just the littlest things in the world, like being in a restaurant when you're on a road trip and just how a waitress can look at them or just how they can kind of be judged. I don't necessarily know the answer other than just kind of continuing to fight the good fight. Me and Jabari Brown had an interesting talk the other day and it was, he was asking me like, how does this end? You know, like, I mean, it's just not one day you're going to sign something and everything's going to be fine. And it's like I said to him, and I firmly believe this, it's, it's not, it's going to be a long road. It's going to take a lot and it's going to take two sides really kind of, coming to the conclusion that they can trust one another, but continuing to like push this agenda forward the right way. And obviously that is peacefully and it's continuing to have very difficult conversations. And in my opinion, it's very important for both sides to be able to listen. And I say both sides, because I definitely do think there is still a divide there, but I think both sides do have to listen and have to be kind of open-minded to what's going on. That's, that's my biggest takeaway is, is listening mostly for my part. You know, when I, when I got to DePaul, I, I grew up in, suburban Minnesota so it's I mean a whole bunch of white people and so when I moved to DePaul I, I played with some 
some dudes that were black throughout the day, and I, I had a few people that I knew were black, but honestly, not a lot. Like, my high school was really white. So moving to Chicago, I kind of started to, you know, get to know people, really, that were black and experience these things, my teammates, my coaches. And I, I learned that I really didn't know anything about their lives. And at times, I think I did a good job of listening. At other times, I, I didn't. And this is just another example of how much farther we have to go and how much more we have to listen and, and kind of understand what's going on with, you know, I don't know the, the numbers, but, you know, let's just say, you know, half of our country. Um, they really feel this way. And it's, it's something that needs to be changed. And I agree, it starts with, with listening and understanding, because at the end of the day, I think we can talk all we want, but our perspective is a lot different. And we need to start to understand one another and, and, and understand the problems that, that we're facing. Which I think is good. I think there's a lot of listening going on. You know, like, I think there's a lot of people that try to come up with solutions right away. A lot of white people just, you know, but at the end of the day, like, it's, you got to listen. Like, we don't really know the other side. And at the end of the day, too, you can listen all you want, but it's an experience thing. And that's, that's one thing I really learned is it's, it's different, man. It's different to live through it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously where I'm from, Grand Blank, but I would, Flint is right next door, you know, like, so General Motors was primarily where everyone worked. And we would go to Flint all the time just to play sports or just my basketball coach actually was from there. So I was always on kind of the north side, which is known as like the bad side of Flint. And I remember the first time going there when I was like 15, 16 years old with, his name was David Johnson. He was my JV basketball coach. And um, I'll never forget the first, well, the first thing he told me was just, you don't, you, there's no reason to be scared here. You know, like just have fun. No one's going to do anything to you. And as long as like, and I, I believe this anywhere you go in the world, as long as you show up somewhere with good intentions, people are going to treat you with respect because you're respecting their area. You know, and it's when you go in there and you can see that you're scared or you you can look around, like people know that you're a tourist, so they're going to rob you, you know, like, but if you just go there and you like kind of respect people's environment, I think it always works out for the better. And hopefully that's where we can get to. I do agree with you. It does start with listening. I'm, I'm eager to see kind of where everything goes. Again, it seems that the NBA has found its way to the forefront of like leadership in this situation, which it's is awesome, great. isn't it? I mean, like it happened with COVID, you know, and now here we are not three, three months later and the NBA is right back at the forefront of just politics and what's white, right, what's right, what is wrong. Um, so here we are with NBA trying to reopen, um, kind of getting into now like kind of some sports stuff here. This is going to be some interesting stuff because you have 22 teams that are going to go play for an NBA championship. Um, obviously, the players, it seems like, are being driven by the leader being LeBron. Like, hey, no, like, like we're, we're playing. Like, let's play. And I think the country also needs it. I do think the country really needs something other than just all sitting in our houses. And so here we are again, obviously, the NBA at the forefront. And you have this group of players that are now kind of talking back about this reopening. And not for the safety or anything based around COVID, but more on how it's going to overshadow this, this progressive movement that's going on that our country drastically needs. seems like it's led by Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie says he doesn't like the optics of many black players in the NBA going to quarantine city to entertain the masses, taking the spotlight off Black Lives Matter's movement and much-needed police and social reforms. He is far from the only player, obviously, that's thinking that, and he slowly comes out and just says, I don't support going to, into Orlando. I'm not with the systematic racism and the bullshit. Something smells a little fishy. So he kind of leaves it out there as well. 
how did you take that? Like, like, what, like, how do you feel about that quote in general, especially the, the last part, something smells a little fishy. Whenever Kyrie Irving has a quote, unfortunately, it's, I'm kind of hesitant, you know, like flat earth or all that stuff. But after kind of digesting it, you really do have to take credence to it because I mean, the guy has a really good point. He has a really good point. And I think a lot of people were so gung ho about getting started with the NBA. I was, I was so giddy that we're finally going to get the NBA back. And he's kind of pumping the brakes on this situation as, as much as I think everybody would want to play. He raises a really good point. Um, what I what I think is really good about this situation is that the NBA and the Players Association and Adam Silver, they have some time to digest what they're going to do. Um, you know, you think back to the Donald Sterling situation. They had a playoff game the next day, and they had to make a decision quick. They couldn't think it out. Um, I was reading up about when uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. There was a playoff game the next day. They couldn't really communicate on what they wanted to do. Um, and if you if you listen to some of the players from back then and from the Donald Sterling situation, they're, um, they're not sure if they made the right decision. I was listening to Matt Barnes talk about it. He regrets it. Um, he wishes they would have boycotted the game. And, and so it's good that we have time because this is a huge, huge inflection point in our country. And I think the players coalition is really going to play a huge part in it. And there's a lot of really good leadership there that can really invoke some change you know, either way, I, I can understand it. You know, if they want to, if they want to sit it out and make a huge message, I, I think that's a really good, it's a good call. You know, if, whatever they think, I think will be the right decision because they have smart level-headed people spearheading the operation. Um, it, it's going to be a huge audience, obviously. And I think that's probably what the other side is saying. Um, no better audience. It's a captivated audience, obviously. We're still kind of in quarantine, but um, you know, once again, it's really, it's really not my place to say what I think is will work best or not, but it just makes me comfortable that there's proper leadership in place that whatever they decide, I'm sure it'll be a unified message. And, and I think it'll, it'll make a difference. I think they're going to do a good job. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do because I do think that when we look back on this era, the NBA players and, and the NBA leaders at the forefront are going to have a chapter in this, in this part of our history. I agree with all that. I guess the issue I have with this is the something smells a little fishy. Again, that movement, I think it's something that needs to be discussed. It's had to have been talked about for a really long time, and it, kind of, it always gets kind of pushed under like the rug and just, oh, it's, it is what it is. It's going to change, and it never does. However, like I still think that there does have to be more trust from both sides. And I think this is like what he's saying here to me, the way that I read this, is like this is some like cooked up scheme to be able to get the focus off the George Floyd Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. And I definitely don't think that at all. Like, if anything, the way that I look at it is, is you got 22 teams that are going to go play, what, 80-plus games? So that means you have 80 national anthems that you can make a statement at. You have press conferences after every single game and before every single game. And then all they're talking about is the NBA, where every time you get in front of a microphone as an NBA player, you have, a, you have an audience that's captivated that's going to listen to you. You know, like you can, again, still be on that platform and use it to stop social injustice. Like you can still talk about it all the time. It doesn't have to always just be about basketball. And I think all of us have seen that before. You know, like Greg Popovich is a great spokesman. Like he's going to go up there and when he has the time, to, when he gets the opportunity to speak on a microphone, he's not just going to talk about the Spurs playing. You know what I mean? Same thing, Steve Crowder, he won't be there, but another great person in that leadership role. 
along with LeBron, all of those guys, you know, like Anthony Davis, you got all these superstars that are going to Kyrie Irving, for instance, that's going to have that microphone, going to have that opportunity. And it's really up to us every day to make sure that it doesn't go away and we continue to talk about it. You know, like that's on us. That's on us as people, them, normal citizens, you know, obviously people in the media are very important as well too. But just the whole, if something smells a little fishy thing, again, I, to me, that just starts driving the sides farther and farther apart. And I think it has to stop sooner or later. Like, and again, white people are so much to blame for this, but we got to stop pushing those sides apart. And sooner or later, we got to come together and trust one another. It is, it is such a interesting scenario to be put in though. Um, with all the money that's at stake, a, dream, a, a league driven by black stars and it's, it's so um, precarious, I guess, maybe is the word I want to use, um, that this is where we find ourselves. But, yeah, I mean, the two sides are going to – I think the two sides are going to come together. I think they're going to make the right decision. I think whatever they side with, they will make the right steps. So, it'll be interesting. Well, and there's no better person, obviously, lead it, in my opinion right now. I mean, Adam Silver, through this whole thing, through COVID, and now having to deal with this, if there's, there's one leader that's really elevated himself it obviously has been him. And obviously LeBron has been very outspoken. And I'm, I'm interested to see what players aren't going to play. And again, I don't know if it, they were saying this even before the George Floyd situation, whether mm-hmm. or not they were going to play. I mean, like Carmelo's obviously not talking that he might not play. Um, I think Damian Willard has already came out and said he wouldn't. And he said that again before yep. the George Floyd situation. So I think that'll just be interesting to see who actually is on what teams. And then, the ability to add some of these free agents to your roster, I mean, your team could drastically change. You know what I mean? Like if, if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I'm looking at Lance Stevenson and saying like, why am I not taking this guy in my roster right now? You know, because if we face LeBron, someone's going to have to guard him. And having the yeah, ability to Yeah, there's add a ton this, of good guys out there. It's wild. Like, and I'm excited for the games. Like, I think that's going to be great with this whole like movement continuing to push forward as the games are going on. Are you more excited than you would be for the normal playoffs? Has this COVID taken any of the, the luster off of it for you? No, not at all. Because it's basically like the start of a new NBA season. But you know how the NBA was talking about doing this mini tournament in the middle of the year? Yeah. Well, that's basically what we're getting. Because, like, they've been off longer than they would be for a normal regular offseason. Which is crazy Dude, to think about. It's been about. so long. It's been so yeah. long. I mean, so, like, they're going to come back. And basically, it's, like, going to be a whole new year. And then you're going to have that quick turnaround to the next NBA season. I mean, the thing that I'm dreading is whenever we do have a full, like another full off season, it's going to seem like forever because, you know, like we're going to have a lot of basketball here for a really long time. And there's nothing better in my opinion. There's no better sport. Um, These guys' personalities are going to shine even more than ever. And I think Mm -hmm. we're starting to see that right now. And it's great to be able to hear them speak about something. And, you know, I'm big on this in general. I think athletes always kind of get pigeonholed into only talking about sports, like shut up and dribble. I think it's really cool to be able to see these guys just come out and show their, like, overall, like, spectrum of who they are. Their, like, diversity. I don't know if it's not diversity, but their whole, like, their whole act, because it's just not all about sports for them. They, like, live in communities. They have certain ways that they feel, and now they have a platform to talk about it. I think it's going to be a huge soap opera. I think it's going to be great. I think the world needs it. I know I need it. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Dude, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Who do you, who do you, so who do you like in this whole thing? I think the whole sit, the whole setup of it all is kind of crazy. You know, you have all these teams out West and then you only have nine teams in the East. You have this weird setup. It seems like for this mini playing series, that's 
probably going to happen just because how close the Eastern Conference teams are. I mean, it, it leads for a lot of drama and a lot of interesting scenarios, that's for sure. Well, I'm all about any format, as they were proposing these, any format that gives Zion a chance to make the playoffs. I didn't even care. I'm like, let's do, let's make it as shameless as possible. I would love to see him in a seven-game series, potentially facing off against the Lakers. I think it would be awesome. Um, let, me, let me ask you this question. I'm going to kind of flip it on you before we get into, like, who we think is favored to win. What kind of attributes in teams do you think will be most beneficial moving forward? Like, if you were to predict which types of teams will thrive off of this adversity slash taking the time off, what kind of core attributes would they have? Because I think that'll so probably I, lead us into who we think is going to win. Yeah, no question. Like, I, it's really the, the team I feel the worst for is the Milwaukee Bucks because the Bucks did a really good job of load management. And they played their guys. But think about it. I think Giannis is only playing 30-some minutes a game. Crazy, yeah. Like, like, they really structured it to make sure that he had his – legs and he was ready to go for the playoffs so that obviously got thrown out the window because now everyone's completely fresh um i'm it's i think you're gonna see early on who had access to gyms who Uh did stuff while they were off and i don't mean just like lifting and running i mean like actually got in a gym and worked on their game because like i had the opportunity to go down to miami during this break and do a virtual camp with Tyler Hero. And he was in the gym twice a day and his game has improved during this off season per se, you know, like he's added to his bag. So when he gets into the playoffs or when he gets into this restart, like he's going to be a different player and scouting's going to be different, you know? So like as a coach, you normally, you get to the playoffs, you've tested things out against teams, you know, it's going to work, you know, it's not going to work. Well, now you add 17, you add two players, maybe three to a roster. Um, You can change the way that you play because some guys are back from injury, so it's not the same offensive scheme that they had before. So I really do think it's just this mini tournament and everything's up for grabs. I I think the person that has the best advantage is whoever has LeBron James. And, you know, that really hurts me to say that because I'm not. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I'm not a LeBron's like, I don't want, I don't want to see LeBron win, but like, he does have this drive and he has this ability to play five positions basically and just make everyone better. So I'm excited to see who the Lakers do pick up. I also think shooting um, guys are going to have fresher legs. So you're not going to see guys in a seven game series be as tired near the end. And I think more shots are going to be made. So I think scoring is going to be extremely high where normally in the playoffs, it kind of, you know, comes back a little bit just because of scouting and just because guys are tired and worn out. So I do think guys that can shoot and then people who have had the ability to get in the gym, you know, it looks like just again from Twitter and Instagram, Lucas found the weight room. I don't know if he's found a gym to shoot in, but that's been a struggle for people, you know, like, yeah, again, Arch here in Chicago, like I'm close with him and he hasn't been able to get into a gym. You know, there just isn't one available in the city of Chicago, which is wild to think about that NBA players don't have access to facilities to get up shots where some of them obviously have gyms or places they've been able to kind of finagle their way into. Like, this is a great – when Tyler was working out, Joe, we were in a warehouse that you would store things in, that they had moved everything out and moved a court in, and these guys were coming in. I thought we were in the mafia pulling up to this place, and it was just to get up shots during COVID, mm-hmm. which is wild. Yeah, because all, it's all got to be off the books, you know, unless you own it, unless it's your own. Correct. The one factor that I'm really interested to see going into this is just overall team chemistry. 
So if you think these guys are going to be, I think they're flying to Orlando um, on July 7th to start their training camps. And families can't arrive until August 30th, which is the start of the second round. So these guys are going to be together for almost two months with just their team. You know, and they'll get that, you know, once the, the playoffs comes around and the field gets whittled down, they'll add more people to the bubble. But, I mean, it's going to be such an interesting social experiment that we've obviously never seen. But, um, you know, the, the teams that have that gel, I, I think about the Bucks. They have really good team chemistry. Like, I think yeah. they'll benefit from it. The Lakers have a lot of old veterans. They'll benefit from it. Um, the Clippers will be an interesting one. You know, like a bunch of guys that were added together. Let's We'll see how that goes. Um, but I think we could potentially be really underestimating the fact that these dudes have to stay together for almost two straight months um, in a hotel or in a community or whatever they've decided that dude, there's going to be some weird stories coming out of that. And there's probably going to be some unhappy players um, and teammates that just want to get away from each other. And it's going to spill onto the court. And like, like you said earlier, there's going to be some drama, man. It's going to be good shit. So that's go ahead. Add the racial dynamic to it. You have primarily white head coaches right? With this social climate that's going on right now. And you're going to have guys on the court that think they're getting fucked over. And like, that's going to even play a little bit of a role in it. And again, you that's why so? I go back to, I do for sure. Really? Because I, I, really I, I think the NBA is so good about this stuff. I'm again, just from kind of having an inside look just to some yeah. of these guys' lives, like these zoom calls, these teams have been having, I think have been very helpful where assistant coaches and, you know, African-American players have really opened up to things they've experienced. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But I do think that's always going to kind of be there, you know, like it, it will be. And I don't think it's going to be this. I'm not playing for this white dude. You know, I don't think that at all. Like, but I do think there will be some of that drama. And then again, it could just be sitting there having a meal and having a conversation. And someone says something that someone takes offense to. And you know how this is when you're around people all the time, people get on your nerves. Yeah. You know, and like you're going to be in a I mean, we remember when we did the we did the long road trip and we would be in the hotel in between Providence and Villanova and on the bus. And it was like four days we were together and all of us wanted to kill each other. Then you're going to these people are going to be together for 60, 70 days. It's going to be so magnified in the media attention. I think this is going to be just a huge mental crucible slug it out like whoever wins. You talk about fresh legs and I think the bodies might be fresh. But the minds of these men are going to be just absolutely roasted by the thing, time this thing is over. And we're already, think about we're already the, there. The, exactly. Like, think about you and I. Like, both of us, you know, we talk all the time. Mentally, I mean, we're kind of both at our wit's end just with life. And, and, and there's no way that these people aren't either. And now you're going to put them in a bubble in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. And this, and they're going to be expected, as they should, to take this stand on – on social injustice, they're going to be at the forefront of this huge, huge conversation in our country's history. And you're going to be trying to win an NBA, an NBA title. I can't imagine the pressure that these guys are going to face. It's, it's, it makes me anxious thinking about it. Well, and then add to the fact that at any point in time, this weird disease could come back and affect anyone on a team that then has to be taken out and quarantined. And okay. So who's going to have the biggest risk to get that? In my opinion, it's going to be the person that's around the most media because they're going to be going in and out. Mm. All right. So now that's your superstars. 
That's your LeBron James. That's your, you know, Kevin Durant. That's well, I guess Kevin Durant's not Kevin playing. Durant. That's your Luke. Well, he's already Zanoli. got it too. He's got the antibodies. Yeah, good point. But you know what I'm saying? It's those guys. Like it's literally the guys who are going to have most interaction with contact points with like outside people. So like to me, there it just it makes for such an interesting scenario. And you know, you don't you obviously don't want anyone to get COVID. But I definitely think that's going to get thrown in there. It's like a honestly, it's going to be a terrible way to put this. It's like a real live Hunger Games. Totally. No one's dying. It's just basketball. But it's like the same kind of format, you know? Like everyone has their own skill set. But at any point in time, God can push a button and boom, you're out for two weeks with COVID, you know? Yeah, oh, dude, nobody's, it's okay, nobody's safe. You get, you get your two way player to, to replace him. You'll be okay. <laughs> you get your two way player. Yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you imagine the fiasco that would be if we get to, you know, game six and Kawhi comes down with COVID? It'd be wild. And that's the one person you really haven't heard from in all this. You know, Kawhi wants to hoop. You know, I do think that, see, I think the Clippers, because Kawhi's relationship with Paul George, like, I mean, think about it, Paul George went to the Oklahoma City Thunder and said, no, I want to be traded to the Clippers because me and him are close. That's who I want to play with. And if there's anyone that does a great job, probably the best job in the NBA with relationships with his players, it's Doc Rivers. Yeah. So, like, I think they have an unbelievable chance. My sleeper team in this whole thing, honestly, like, I think if you look in the Eastern Conference, I don't think the Bucs are going to be the team that comes out of the East. I really don't. I, I just – I have this weird feeling that, like, something's going to sneak up on them, and I don't know why. But I well, just Giannis- don't think they're going to do it. Giannis still has to have that point. He's. We talked about this in the when we did our Jordan recaps, the the journey of a superstar and how you you climb up the mountain and then you have that that first hit of adversity and they they peg you down. He still hasn't had that yet. So yeah. I, I think if he doesn't get it done this year, it's going to start to happen. If they don't get to the finals, then it's definitely going to be a problem. So so who do you like in the East? And you know who I'm going with. I'm going with the horn or the Heat. The Hornets. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, I'm, I'm look, I was scrolling up here, and they, like, literally, they're right in front of me. But I'm going with the Heat. I got to go with my – I got to go with my guy, Ty. And you got Jimmy sure. Butler over there. You know, they can really, really shoot the ball. They have great chemistry. Um, I mean, honestly, like, think about this. Jimmy Butler ordered and sent all those dudes' baskets to their house so they could have them put up in their driveway so they had a place to shoot, which is crazy to think about. You know, like – and obviously, like, I have a little more – knowledge just about those guys connection bam like they're they're just those that team is just extremely close they're really really tight and jimmy butler's done a really good job of like i don't want to say this he's not an asshole he's done a really good job of like grooming those young kids to all be together and he has complete support from pat riley it probably couldn't be a better marriage because i think there's so many people in that league that are afraid to give their superstar the reins and pat riley clearly isn't he never has been and then Dwayne Wade's done a really good job of mentoring him as well too so I think the Heat are like to me the surprise team that could I think they could win the whole thing um mm. I but and, and here's why honestly I think the West is going to get so banged up because the West has more teams they have to play obviously in this bubble deal and they're better they're, they're they have to play against better competition you know like even in the playoffs in that seven game series or those three rounds before the finals, they just have to play against better talent. It normally wears them down. I get what you're saying. I mean, the, the heat way, like the Pat Riley culture is one that definitely fits this situation. It's, I mean, they pride themselves on mental toughness and 
pushing through adversity. So I can totally see that. That's a good call. Dude, I think Toronto's going to come out of the East again. I can't. I'm not. A, I, really? I think it's going to be even, Toronto. I don't, I don't even count them. Really? I don't even count them. I don't. I act like they don't even. I act like they don't even play. I. I, I don't so, think the. I don't like Toronto. I, I don't have. think the West is. I, I'm sorry. I don't think the East is is amazing. And so I think, like you said, a dark horse can come out of there. And Toronto has just been holding it down in you know like the two, three, four range all season, and nobody respects them. A lot of older guys who are going to benefit from the rest. I think they can band this thing back together and sneak in again. I don't think they're going to win it. But I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be Milwaukee either. Boston, I just don't really trust for some reason. I love Jason Tatum. Um, I love Jalen Brown. I, I just don't trust them for some reason. I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. But I'll pick Toronto. I mean, they they have won 46 games. You know what I mean? So they are – they. Yeah, dude, they're really nice. Toronto's nice. Fly. Pascal yeah, Siakam is, made the leap. Like, I love Pascal Siakam. I like some spicy pee. Pascal Siakam is, like, everything I, I could have hoped and dreamed to be in my life. Who do you think, Dale, do you think any of those teams, meaning in the East right now, will pick up one of these three? Like, who will be the most impactful guy, like, someone could pick up? Still, like, I'm, I'm thinking Toronto, for instance, right now, like, if they get a Darren Collison or they get I was Paul that's Nostro what I was going to say. I was going to say Darren Collison. I think he kind of I, he was part. before that's so that's not a, so that's not a sexy pick but think about all the teams that need that point guard slash backup point guard um obviously Los Angeles both Los Angeles teams want him bad um Milwaukee could use him like I don't trust Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs like that's a problem Toronto's backcourt, who they got? They got Van Vliet. They got Kyle Lowry. Their backcourt's kind of solid already. Um, Norman Powell's been killing it. Uh, but I agree. I, I think Darren Collison kind of holds the keys. What what kind of list do you got over there? Who else is on that list? So you got Jamal Crawford, J.R. Smith, no. DeMarcus no. Cousins, Lance Stevenson, Ian no. Shumpert, Darren Collison, Nick Young. Ian Shumpert? Yep. Is that his, Isaiah his Thomas, cousin? Paul Gasol. Um, I've idea. Paul Gasol, Kenneth Fareed, and David Nwanda. Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed yeah. still exists. He got honestly, out, wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad pickup for someone that needs a rebounder, defender. Like, if you're going to have yeah. to go against Anthony Davis in the finals, probably a pretty good guy to have match up against him. Who did the Clippers just got the Morris twin? The Clippers got one of them and the Lakers got the other one, right? Yep. I believe so. That's correct. And people are talking about that, like he can defend Anthony Davis. I just don't. I don't see that. Hey. I don't know. These NBA, these pickups, I think we all like to talk about, but I don't really think it matters as much as we'd like to think it does. Darren Collison would be a nice piece for anybody that gets him. I think that'd be a really nice piece. I don't know if Iman Shepard has enough left in the tank. Like, yeah, it's Darren Iman. Smith, I think You're he's right. done. No, but I think – so I don't know You're if – I don't – yeah, my bad. I don't think if it, I don't think it wins you a championship. However, I do think it can lose you one. So, like, if the Lakers pick up J.R. Smith, I don't think they win a championship. Uh, elaborate. Well, like in Cleveland, like the guy is just off his rocker half the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, like he can shoot. I get it. I also think his connection with LeBron. I don't necessarily think that helps the chemistry everywhere else. Like, yeah, I get it. They're close, but. I think your whole team has to be really close. So, and again, I don't know his relationship with everyone else out there. I know obviously he's spending a lot of time in LA, but like 
I just don't think you win with J.R. Smith. I don't. Yeah, I would like the Lakers to stay away from J.R. Smith as a LeBron James fan. I'll pass on that one, but thank you. I would take DeMarcus Cousins if I was them. The Lakers? Yeah. They already had him, and they cut him. I, I, would, I would bring that man back because I think really? he's healthy. Yeah, and I think, again, in Golden State, he's shown this. He can fit into, like, team, and he's played with Anthony Davis, obviously, yeah. before. So Is he going to be healthy? Yeah, like, they're saying he's ready to go. Mm, that would be interesting. Well, you know who could use him then is the Clippers. Correct. Because they need a body. They need a big body. Yeah, dude, that could get real interesting. That would – he's the one that I think – I mean, in all those guys, he has star power to him, you know, like when he's healthy. Yeah. He would be the guy that I think it would be interesting to see. Him and Darren Collinson, obviously. Like where those two end up I think would be interesting. Isaiah Thomas. No, no, no. Now no. they're saying – Paul Gasol is going to go to the Lakers for like just minimum and then end up obviously retiring as a Laker, which I think would be actually really, really cool. Just that whole like Kobe connection. It does seem like the team of destiny to win this whole thing is the Lakers just because of everything that's happened this year. Um, yeah. Which wouldn't be the worst thing, obviously, just, you know, obviously my disdain for LeBron. It wouldn't be the worst thing just because of Kobe for me. So I wouldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be too mad about that. I'm a, I'm a huge team of destiny guy. I think that stuff matters in sports. I don't know why, but I think it does. Um, so they're my, pick, they're my pick out of the – Ah, dude, Dwight Howard's been really good this year. He's been so effective this year. He Talk about a guy who's, like, recreated his game. Like, he just rim runs and rebounds. He, I mean, he pretty much does all the things he used to do, except he doesn't try to post up anymore. He's um, the new Dennis Rodman. It, yeah, that's – honestly, that's, that's – a. That's kind of an apt comparison. That's not bad. Right? Like, he can defend. He's bigger, obviously. He's now playing with this unreal amount of, like, energy and enthusiasm. Like, yeah. It's, you can tell that he's just happy to be accepted and being back on the court. Like, that dude went through a lot, clearly. Less minutes helps um, him, too. He could never stay on the court. You know, his back, his back is so bad. They don't have to – you don't have to play 30 minutes a game, 40 minutes a game. It's hard to be the focal point when you have so many things like that going on off the court and you have to hide so many issues in front of like the media and in front of people. And I think the best thing for Dwight Howard is the fact that he's the fourth or fifth or sixth best player on that team. So yeah. he can go out and he's Rodman. He can go out in LA and do whatever Dwight Howard does and no one judges him for it. And then he can go on the court and just hoop. And it's really obviously LeBron. I don't think there's ever been a better leader to bring people together than LeBron James, you know, like he does a great job with it. Now, when he, as we both saw in person, when he turns on someone and he's done That's with over, them, man. it can get really uncomfortable. And it's yeah. really when people don't buy into like that team, like the, that environment of winning and that culture of winning, you know, like that, I mean, just describe that. Like that's to me, the still the craziest thing I've seen in sports live is yeah, so I guess people wouldn't know what we're talking about. We're, we were at, we were at game. I think it was game two of the Eastern Conference Finals in, gosh, what was it, 2017, I think? And um, Lakers versus – I'm sorry, Lakers. Cavs versus the Celtics is in Cleveland. We drove down for the game. And we were sitting 14 rows behind the Cavs bench. We were, like, three rows behind um, LeBron's wife and his mom. Like, we had a really good show for all of it. And I was personally stoked just because I got to see LeBron in the playoffs. He was eviscerating everybody. 
turned out had like one of the worst games he's had in the playoffs. Ever. I was so mad. Do you remember ever. how mad I was? Dude, oh, I was mad. Terrible. I was I was personally offended for like a week that he had played that bad because he was tearing it up before. I'm like, dude, I'm about to watch LeBron get like 40, 10, and 10. And I think he had like 14, 7, and 4 and was horrible. And from the jump, just for some reason, was not interested. But it could have been this whole Kyrie thing. Those two didn't say a word the entire game. The entire game, opposite ends of the bench, They'd come to the timeout. They would they would even walk next to each other if they were walking back to the huddle and wouldn't say anything. Like they were both going out of their way to not talk to each other. And it came out after the season. He got traded, correct? It was the year he got traded. Yeah, it was. And it, it and it came out that Kyrie had stopped talking to everybody for like a month, and LeBron wanted nothing to do with him. It was, it was eerie to watch and it was so bizarre to see two teammates two superstar teammates who had coexisted so beautifully in previous years treat each other like that and yeah dude you could tell lebron was so done with him he was so done yeah you could feel it in like even from the opening like announcement like when they did the starting lineups and where they were sitting and you're i remember like we were like wait let's you could just see that there was something there was some tension that was going on and then what was really compelling is in an nba timeout like the coaches obviously meet for so long and they wouldn't come in at the timeout until like 30 seconds left to go like every time and like there would never be any, any interaction like LeBron would talk to pretty much everyone else and to a point where if they did have to sit next to each other I still have a picture on my phone they were like eight feet apart you know which is so unlebron like yeah. you know it was the like body really language was deal. was so loud yeah it was that was that was wild but again when LeBron gets when, I think when someone in, messes with the environment that he's created like he really gets offended by that you know and i that is why i do worry about who they pick up you know uh, like the they're gonna be smart about it team. they'll be smart about it they've well, done such a good job surprisingly they've done a great job in the front office well he's done a great job in the front office let's not act like the brown's <laughs> not let's not act like he's not picking who he wants to play with him yeah i got frank great, vogel he's been hanging in there man don't hear anything about him i mean honestly i don't even know nothing not a peep not uh, do they even let him do press conferences, or is that like Frank's out on that? Jason King nope. doesn't. Nope. Draw some sets. Keep it moving. So who do you got? Who do you got coming out of the West? Out of the West, I have to go with. I think it's going to be a Clippers Heat Finals. Okay, talk to me about the Clippers. Well, this is Kawhi Leonard guy. He's just like the most silent assassin to me, known to mankind. Like I. When you watch him, he's like boxy. Like I don't really enjoy watching him play, but he's just a very—he's a way better version to me of James Harden. Like they put him mm. in the middle third of the court, they put the ball in his hands, and they just kind of let him go to work. And with the rules of the game, there's not much you can do with him. Like he can score at all three levels. You know, he's a great—he can play on both sides of the ball. And then just the way that he plays and his tenacity—it just—it's infectious to his teammates. And I just think they have the right kind of pieces around them. Paul George, to me, has been very disappointing. I don't think Super. he's had a good year. But it's the playoffs, and he's had some time off. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of come around. But I, I do think that kind of like Russell Westbrook to James Harden, that's an interesting role to have to play because you have to defer to arguably the best or second-best player in the NBA right now. You know, yeah. like You have to take some things away from your game some option I'm sorry you get opportunities taken away from your game where normally you can kind of get loose and you know try to fry here and there and just just not there because the other guy's taking those shots yeah that so team I, hasn't totally figured it out yet but they've won 44 games right they're second right in the best, so 
Right, no doubt. It'll just be interesting to see if they can piece it together because, yeah, dude, I mean, you think they're more talented than Lakers? I kind of think they are. Oh, I think they are. Top to bottom, I think they're more talented than the Lakers. There's only one person that's going to dictate if the Lakers can beat the Clippers, in my opinion, and it's going to be Anthony Davis because he's, they don't have anyone to match up with him at all. And no, obviously, yeah. LeBron's LeBron. But, like, I do think you can put Patrick – like, you can rotate these guys on LeBron. Or they got a lot of bodies. Doubles, you know? And Paul George even has length to guard him, you know? And Beverly obviously gets underneath your skin. Kawhi can take his time, like, take turns on him as well. They picked up Jakim Noah, you know? So, it's just like – They picked up Joakim Noah? Yeah. Uh, I think that's, I don't I mind think that that's wishful up. thinking. I think that's wishful thinking. I mean, it, it, you're, you're, uh, you're bolstering the – the anti-LeBron team over there. I mean, I like it. And from that aspect, like they're just building a team to try and pester LeBron, which is great. Hey, how about this comparison? I got to slide this. Well, you go ahead. You're going to go on that. Just real quick. They're they're building this team of bullies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they have this guy in Kawhi that can just, he's not going to say anything and he's going to go get 30 or he's going to get a triple double. Like it's just a really weird, it's just a new NBA in my opinion. Sure. Uh, Kawhi is the perimeter version of Tim Duncan. Yeah. Like, quiet but efficient, you know? Like, he just – instead of that right-hand baby hook that, that Tim Duncan had, like, he's just elbow jumpers, you know? Like, he's going to get to his spot every time, elbow jumpers, not going to say much, defensively a menace. Like, to me, the comparison is is blinding. But <clears throat> I just I just had to throw that one in. I was really proud That's- of it. No, that's a good call. Like, he is. And, like, he, his game, in my opinion, I was like, okay, I got to – that's when I was saying, like, this whole Toronto thing, I just didn't really – I don't really buy into it just because I didn't watch him at all, even last year until the finals. And, like, mm-hmm. then I'm watching him, I'm like, I don't like his game. Like, it's just not smooth. It's just really, like, he plays at his own pace. He's kind of herky-jerky, but he just never misses. And, and Tim Duncan's, you- like, <laughs> great comparison. They control pace. Like, you said it. He plays yeah. at his own pace. And everybody else does too. He's one of those guys where you watch it. And if you were somebody that is watching an NBA game for the first time, you'd watch Kawhi and you'd be like, oh, this doesn't look too hard. You know, like you're watching Tim Duncan, you're like, ah, it doesn't look that hard to be really good at this game, right? Like you just kind of move around at about 75% speed and shoot the ball and goes in a lot. Like he's, he's simplified the game though, like really simplified it. And he's smart at what he does well. And he just does it all the time. And he's and strong enough, too, dude. It's so weird how strong he is. Yeah, and he's he gets. I forget who told me this the other day, but in the NBA, oh no, I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to um, Gilbert Arenas's podcast, Great and he podcast. was talking about how if you want to make slow players faster, you make them point guards because they have the ball in their hands and they don't have to get open, and you put them in the middle third of the court. And he was talking about Luca. He was talking about Kawhi. He was talking about Harden. And it makes a lot of sense. It's like, I've always thought, like, wait a minute, why are they playing these guys at, like, point forwards? And it's just because they become quicker. Because, again, mm-hmm. if you have shooters spaced out, you have to make a decision with the legal defense. You can't be in help. You have to either come double, and if you're leaving a 48% or 42% three-point shooter, they're going to make you pay. And I was just kind of looking this up. you got Paul George shoots 40% from three. Lewis Williams, 36. Landry Shumpert, 39. Landry um, Shumpert? <laughs> you're killing me, man. Uh, you know I'm not good with names. Everyone, if, they, if, if you ever hear, hear me do a scouting report, names aren't good for me. I'm just – I'm not good with them. All right, I just keep going. Keep Andrew Shumpert. Reggie Jackson, I can say that one, 45%. Beverly, 38%. Uh, 
uh, Jamichael Green, 36 percent. Jamichael Green, I mean, Patrick Patterson, 38 percent. Now, this name I can't even try to pronounce. K-A-B-E-N-G-E-L-E, 45 percent. Derek Walton, 42 percent. You know, so they do have guys on the floor that can stretch it, you know? Yeah, this dude's got some And they can defend. The they can go three yeah. deep. Yeah, dude, they're built. I mean, we've, it's like we've been watching for the last 10 years is you either got to build yourself to beat the Warriors or you got to build yourself to beat LeBron. And they're building themselves to beat LeBron. The, I think the bodies thing is going to make a huge difference. It's going to be Anthony Davis if he can dominate. And it's going to be if those bodies can wear down LeBron. Who do you got? So what's your finals pick as we wrap this up? I got to go with the Heat. I'm going to go with the Heat winning the whole thing. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm giving my boy a ring. Okay. I'll let you pick the Heat. I'll pick and the that's Lakers. Just more of a, it's more of a fan pick. So who yeah, do you got fair. from out of the East? I got Toronto. Yeah, I'll pick you Toronto. Got, so Toronto, LA in the finals. Yep. Is it a sweep? No. No, Toronto will get Toronto – get, Toronto will get two, man. They'll get one on the road, and they'll get one in the six. So, I like in the six. If you had to pick one team in the West that could surprise everyone, right? So, like, you have those 11 teams over there, maybe more than that. No, 11 – 13 teams? How many teams are in the West? That's they have 13. Game? They have 13. 13, and the East has nine. So, if you could pick one team that could shock everyone and make it to the finals, who would you go with? <sighs> Let me look here. I got to get it in front of me. Everyone knows who mine's going to be. If you know me right now, you know exactly who it's going to be. Yeah. Should I should I tell the people what your pick is going to be? You know my guy, Luca. Yeah. Put him um, on the finals, man. If I had to pick one to surprise it, I think this is more just because I don't believe in anybody else other than the Clippers or the Lakers, but I'll pick the Rockets. Like, if they can just yeah. flummox people with their style, like, that, that could get really weird. Um, I, don't, I really don't think any of those teams are capable, but I'd, I'd pick the Rockets. Yeah. The Rockets do have enough talent, for sure. For sure. And their style is so weird. Like, they could really just trip somebody up and wind up in the finals. But, yeah, I'll take, I'll take Lakers, Raptors, Lakers in six. And who do you got? I got – I mean, I picked the Heat and Clippers, but if you want me to be very transparent, I'm, I would go Heat, Lakers, and I'll take uh, – I, I agree with you. I think LeBron's going to go. Oh, so you switched. Okay. But right, good to I'm going to pick the Clippers just – just so we can keep this going on. You know, I don't want to give too much. Content. We got to have some content, right? Yeah. We got to have some drama and some content. So I'll go, <laughs> I'll go with the Clippers and the Heat and take, take my guy Tyler Hero. He's picked like four teams. No, I, just, no, I got those. So I got Clippers, Heat. Clippers, Heat. I got the sure, Heat winning it sure. all. Okay. All right. We shall see. All right. Well, that's, that's going to wrap it up. Everyone stay safe out there, and we will talk to you guys next week.